This is, uh, I was uh, praying that the Lord would allow there to be uh, weather good enough for us to just continue to meet and to gather outside. And um, today is, part of the reason we're out here, they have, they have voting equipment inside. And Tuesday is um, a day to vote. I don't know if you're planning to or not, but I recommend it. And I want to just, I want to start with a word of prayer. Uh, pray for that and just also this morning. So pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for the ability to gather here. And thank you for um, uh, all these relationships, these people that have come here, that friends and family members and um, even some new guests. And I thank you for the way that um, you allow us to uh, deepen our walk with you as we walk with each other. Also do pray for the upcoming uh, election and the voting that's going to be happening this week. And we ask for your blessing on our country and on all that transpires, I pray that you would move people and leaders into offices that promotes um, blessing and good and goodness in our country. And I pray, Lord, for um, you to bring good in, in a way that pushes out darkness and evil. And we declare our trust in you. We ask for your help this morning for us to reflect on you and um, the things that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's great. So we're, gonna, we're starting a new series today called Uniquely Positioned. And so you've got some notes in your hand out there. You've got some ways that you can follow along with us. And what I want to do is look at the, some of the ways that God has uniquely positioned us in life to make an impact. And um, God, I, I really believe that God oversees all the details of our lives, even the minute things. I don't think that there's coincidences or luck. There was one time I was driving in upstate New York where I grew up in the winter and I was going too fast. You know how they charge more for insurance for, you know, people that are, you know, 20 years old and younger? That's, there's a reason for it. And uh, I, uh, so I was driving too fast on the ice and I was coming around a corner and there was going to be a stop sign. And so when I tried to, to brake suddenly... Um, I just, the car, I tried to turn, I didn't turn, I just kept going, and the direction I was headed to, there was a ditch and a tree, and then there was a road sign, there was one of those road signs that had two posts and um, a bunch of signs in the middle, and somehow I slid in between, uh, like into the sign, like in between the two posts, where my, my car just got lodged, like the front wheels like kind of came off the ground, and so I, I managed to miss the tree on this side and the ditch on this side, and I just was like safely tucked into a road sign. And I thought, there is a God. <laughs> he does exist. And I felt, and this, that was a time when I felt uniquely positioned in, in just the safest possible place. And it was actually amazing. I, it, was, it was pretty irresponsible what I was doing and at the, the, the speed that I was driving and just not being, I was being reckless. And so that was not the only time that I drove in a reckless way <laughs> in my teenage and 20 years, 20 years but... Um, I really, I believe God took care of me at that time. And I think there's things that God's doing in your life right now where he's taking care of you. He's, he's navigating, you know, we, we walk through life and we make decisions and we have to take responsibility for ourselves. But I believe that over it all, God is the one working in our path and on our, he's, he's working even through our decisions. He's overseeing all of it. And so one of the things that I want to look at today, an idea, is that we're, we're uniquely positioned to find Jesus. And if you want to follow along with filling in some blanks, there's three lines you can fill in. But this first statement is that we're uniquely positioned to find Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians, there's, this is a letter that 
the fir- actually, chapters uh, 2 through 5 really talk a lot about evangelism. They talk a lot about people finding Jesus. And one of the things that Paul writes in chapter 4, he says, the God of this age, referring to Satan, uh, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So this kind of blindness that we all start out with is we're, we're navigating, trying to figure out how to navigate through life and creating a lot of damage for ourselves, a lot of trouble and a lot of pain because Satan has got us blinded. And Ephesians, Paul writes about this elsewhere in Ephesians. He says, uh, you and you were dead in your trespasses and trespasses and sins in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air. Again, that's, he's referring to Satan there. Um, that spirit, uh, Satan is the one working in the disobedient. And at that time you were without Christ, without hope and without God in the world. And so, again, he's just bringing this idea that we, we have this spiritual blindness, and really the, the blindness that we have starting out in life, uh, it's, it, it's a deceptive. We, we think we can see, we think we're making good decisions, but we keep encountering pain and difficulty and problems. And the result is having no hope having, and not having God in the world. And so Paul, in, in, in when he writes these letters, He's, he's bringing up two, two categories of people. The, the, the two most, you know, there's lots of different kinds of people and flavors of personalities, but the, the biggest possible, the clearest distinction that you can make is between people that have been saved by grace and have found eternal life in Jesus Christ and people that, who, do, who don't, who are unbelievers and who have not received the mercy of God. And... So if you're, you, you know, you've probably, if it's, you're, you're here at the church right now, which means you're, you're in some kind of spiritual journey. And I wonder, you know, how long ago your spiritual journey started. You can probably look at different moments in your life where you had desired to draw close to God and maybe you took some steps to maybe go to a church before or connect with Christians or maybe you had some negative experiences in your spiritual journey, things that maybe pushed you away from God, or maybe you had some tragedy or some loss in your life. And so there's this spiritual journey happening where all along, I believe God has been uniquely positioning you. He's been the one at these, all those key stages of your life, the real high moments, the real low moments. And in your life, there, I, I believe there's been no mistakes and there's been no coincidences, no luck, no time where God has not been sovereignly overseeing the steps of your life. And it's, and it's weird to think about that, especially when you're looking at some of the really difficult times and the rough times. But think about some of the, think for example about some of the key people that you've met. Maybe you've met somebody in your life that had a, a real profound influence for the better. And you're like, man, just that, that person really put me in a good path. Or there was like a, a pivotal conversation. And it was a person that just influenced the direction of my life. Think those are those are those are ki- those are the kinds of examples where God gets involved and He works through people to, to set direction. And uh, I think one thing that's real interesting about that verse in Ephesians is when Paul re- refers to people that have not yet found eternal life in Christ. He says that they're without hope, and being without hope is not a good feeling. If you if you've ever been hopeless, that's a terrible feeling. And you can feel hopeless if you don't know Jesus and if you don't know the Lord. But even as a Christian, there's moments when you can feel hopeless. 
And any time you are without hope, it always springs from the enemy. Because hopelessness is not, is not a thing that God gives us or wants for us. And so at any point you feel hopeless, you know for sure the enemy, the commander of the ruler of the air, is at work trying to work some things in your life, uh, creating that hopelessness. But I think probably the worst situation a person could be in, because you've got people that they, they listen to um, Christians or they maybe listen to the Bible or hear a sermon and be somewhat influenced towards thinking about God, but they maybe um, they decide to turn away or they think like, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't, need, I don't need the God stuff or the Christianity stuff. The worst thing would be to be blind, you know, as it says um, in 2 Corinthians, you know, to be, have our minds blinded by the enemy, to be blind and not know it. The worst situation is a person who doesn't realize that they're blind and also a captive. And so there's a picture that I put on the back of your, your handout. There's a, um, a memorial in Riverside, which is where we live for about 15 years. And it's, it's, called, it's at the Riverside National Cemetery. There's a prisoner of war memorial, and it was dedicated in, in 2005. It's a bronze statue sculpted by a Vietnam veteran, and it's the image of an American serviceman on his knees and bound by his captors. And the statue is surrounded by these large black marble pillars representing imprisonment. And every time I think about a prisoner of war or a person in this situation, I think about, that's what comes to mind when I read about Paul talking about people just being totally captive to the enemy, without hope, without God in the world, dead in their sins, and blind, and unable to see the light of the gospel. And really, that kind of imprisonment is, it's really what anyone who doesn't know Jesus, that's, that's, how, they live, that's how they are spiritually. And so you're, you're um, around people every day. You're around people at work who are like prisoners of war. You know, they're, they're captive. And they may, not, they may not realize it. They may not even look like it. They may actually look like life is going fairly well. Maybe there is a bunch of things in life that are seen put together. But spiritually and ultimately, they're, ba- they're bound and blind and unable to see. And um, one of the ways you might know, a person might really be able to like tap into like, am I, where am I at with God? Is that the whole idea of hopeless. Do I just live with this hopelessness in life if I just... I can't figure out how to get on top. Or, or would you say that your life is full of peace and freedom, a sense of just um, upbeat endurance and peace and freedom? Um, for many who are spiritual prisoners of war, that's not the case. And so if a, if a person is, let's say a person is, in the spiritual sense, bound and captive, how, how, would, a, how would they lead them out of themselves out of that captivity? How could a blind prisoner lead himself out of captivity. I don't think you can. If, you, if, you're, bl- if you're blind and captive, there, how do you, you can't get yourself out. And I think that's partly where we come in, followers of Jesus Christ, we come in, and we're uniquely positioned as a light. That's the next fill-in-the-blank on your handout if you want to follow along. But followers of Jesus Christ are uniquely positioned to be a light, to bring the light of the gospel. Um. And I love, um, as, as Paul continues in, in 2 Corinthians, he says, Thanks be to God, who always leads us in Christ's triumphal procession, and through us spreads the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. 
For to God we are the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To some we are an aroma of death leading to death, but to others an aroma of life leading to life. What this means is as, as you interact with people who are not yet followers of Christ, you either stink or you smell really good. <laughs> you, you either, your, your interactions might like cause people to be interested and, and draw close and like ask more questions about God or they may, it, you're, you're just standing there and being there and being a Christian is repulsive and it's offensive. And the more that you, if, you are, if you happen to even talk about God or you talk about your relationship or what God has done for you, it's just, it's repulsive. It's almost like a stench, a stench of death. And it's, it's, it's like we have a fragrance, you know, it smells different to different people. And really what it is, it's, it's Jesus Christ in us. It's the fragrance of Christ. And there are people that God is determined to bring to salvation. And when you interact with them, like, oh, there's something really good around you. Like, there's, like a, there's something around you that I want more of. And for those that are, that are going to perish eternally, there's this, this sense of repulsion. And so, the, but the people who are maybe interested, and you, there's people in your life, maybe family members or coworkers or you've got some neighbors on your street, or maybe you have kids and their classmates or, um, you know, other athletes in, in the sporting field. Um, if they're spiritually prisoners of war and they interact with you, they may not be able to see the light of the gospel yet, but they're sniffing it out. They're, they're catching a whiff of the aroma of Jesus. And um, at a certain point, we have this opportunity. We're uniquely positioned in the lives of others to make an impact. So what I want to do is I want to have a few guys um, are going to, I'm going to ask them, we're going to have like a, a, a chat on the steps up here. And so if I can have the three guys, I've got uh, Christian and Zach and Eli. You guys can all sit up here. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna, we're going to do like this casual conversation. So since we're going to be outside, I want to do something different that would like hold your attention a little bit more. So there you go, perfect. And then Christian. Have you guys met yet? Okay. <laughs> okay. So this is Christian. Zach <laughs> and Eli. Okay, great. So I wanted to illustrate this. See, this is already, you're already more interested. This was way more better than me just talking. Okay, so I, want, I asked each of these guys a question like two days ago or maybe one day ago um, about how they've seen God uniquely position them. And so the first question is for Christian. And the question is, um, how have you seen God uniquely position you so that you are ready to respond to Jesus, or it actually kind of drew you into considering Jesus. Uh, okay. Yeah, so I would say that God has placed people in my life uh, at different times and at different stages in my spiritual journey, such that like, they were in the right place in the right time and they, they drew me closer to God. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so what was maybe one of the er, like the earlier experiences that you had? I think I think in, in high school. Sure. Um, uh, one of my friends from like OIO playing soccer. His name is Fernando. Uh, he goes to another church out here, but he actually started a Bible study at high school during a recess, I think it was. Um, and that was one of the first like big steps I took in terms of my spiritual curiosity and just taking it a lot more seriously, but. 
Um, I had known him for years before that, and I had known that he was a Christian, but wasn't like really connected myself. And so when he did that, that really helped draw me in. And then beyond that, uh, yeah, just from that moment, I've I've had a much more uh, eager desire to grow close, grow closer to God. And uh, yeah, there's been other people in my life. I would say uh, Zach and Wesley are another example. Um, when we moved back to Santa Clarita after college, uh, they reached out because they happened to move back at the same time, and uh, it was really cool getting reconnected with them. But beyond that, they invited us to Valley Lights Church, and I mean, from there it was a wellspring. <laughs> so many families that are just really inspiring and uh, just helped us along our spiritual journey a lot. Excellent. Is this one still working? You got it for me? No, okay, sweet. Okay, hold that. Okay, great. So um, you said. In, so in high school, that like there was already you felt like there was God was already stirring some spiritual interest in you, and the significant thing was God connected you to a person that invited you to explore it more. Is that kind of how it worked? Yeah, totally. Excellent. So then that was growing. But were, were you a Christian at that point yet, though? No. <laughs> I was Catholic. <laughs> okay. So then, so then like. It took, I mean, how long did it take? You know, just, was it like years of just exploring or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. And then um, getting connected to, and so Zach and Wesley, um, they invited you to be a part of this. And um, it seemed like, you know, in, in this case, there was always a spiritual interest growing in you. And then God just kept putting people in your life to increase in that. And so you could, you could walk more into that. Yeah, he, um, like most people, I veered off course from time to time, and uh, God was always sure to put someone in my life to help get me back on track. Um, yeah. Okay, sweet. All right, next question's for Zach. Okay, so you, so you were strategically placed in Christian's life uh, to make an impact, and I mean, I think you guys were the, the invitation, because I never, you know, I, I never knew... Christian, I would have never, I probably would have never met you if it weren't for, you know, Zach um, making the connection. And so what, what, other, what other times have you, besides this example, what other times have you seen God uh, uniquely positioning you to help people consider Jesus? Yeah, I mean, one thing that definitely we talked about is uh, at, my, at my job. Um, so there's just multiple people there that, um, you know, I've had long conversations with at work, you know, other engineers who, um, you know, he's, he's told me, you know, I, I'm good, my life's good, what do I, you know, what do I need Jesus for, and, you know, so we'll have, like, long conversations about just, like, the need for Jesus, and just, like, why people follow him, and then, um, you know, there's another girl there that, uh, you know, she, you can tell she's just a very, like, stressed out person, but she, um, she typically will call me on the, you know, and say like, "Hey, I need to talk to you about something," and you know, I'll say, oh, "Okay, you want me to stop by your office?" She's like, "No, no, no, I'll go to yours. I like the vibe in your office. It's just you know, something about it. It's just you know, the energy in there is, you know." So she'll make comments like that, and so finally, I told her, "I was like, well, you know, that I think that's Jesus is what you're talking about." <laughs> nice. Yeah, so it work. I think. That's good. Yeah, didn't she um, say something specifically about, like, how does she describe you? Or, like, how do you come across to people at work? Oh, yeah, she always just says, like, man, you just, 
you always see the silver lining in everything. It's just, you're just always happy. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't always like this. And that's when I told her, I was like, I think that's Jesus. Like, without him, I would not be this just happy-go-lucky, you know. Because she always says, you know, you're carefree. Don't let anything get you down. You don't, like, stew on anything. I'm like, well, yeah, that's, that's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Good. So, and you actually use the J name. Oh, for sure. You said yeah. Jesus at work. Yeah, I did. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, because she, she was saying, and you know, someone else I think was saying, like, uh, we brought something up in high school, and I was like, yeah, like, I was very different back then. I was before I met Jesus. And then it's just, you know, you just throw that name in there, and then, it, you know, they kind of, like, you know, you see the look on their face, and that's that determines whether you go more into it or not. But, yeah, she was open to it, so I kept talking about it. Yeah, I think it's a good, that's a good example of, um, here, let me have the yeah. Thanks. I think that's a good example of that whole idea of like the fragrance of Jesus Christ is either it's either attractive or repulsive, and even just saying the name Jesus sometimes has that impact. If if the Lord's working in that woman's heart or another coworker's heart, and then there's this golden opportunity to like talk directly about spiritual things. Like usually people don't go into the spiritual category, but clearly God has uniquely positioned Zach at his workplace around those coworkers on purpose so that he could begin sharing the light of the gospel. And then, did you have like a, uh, another situation where you actually did the, shared the bow with a neighbor? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so our neighbor, um, yeah, man, long story short, I guess he's, uh, I think he's, I can't remember where he's from, but back where he's from, he was like part of like this church where there was a lot of corruption in the, in the pastor, there was a lot of like, you know, shady stuff going on. So from there, he's been like, very anti-anything religious at all. Um, but one time, uh, I can't remember why, but there was, some, there was some reason I couldn't park my car in the driveway. So I had to park it further and walk. And as I'm walking by, I could tell, he was working on his car and I could tell he was like really struggling. And so I think definitely God uniquely positioned me to have to park my car far away so I'd have to pass him. So I just like said like, hey man, you need some help? Little did I know he was like changing I think his headlights, but his car, he had to take off like a bunch of stuff. So it ended up taking like almost two hours. I was like, uh, I thought it was going to be like 10 minutes. Like, oh, yeah, I can help you with something. Real quick. <laughs> uh, but just through that, I was like talking to him more, learning more about his background, like hearing about, you know, his experiences with church. And then I was sharing, um, you know, I, sh- I ended up sharing um, Ba with him and, and the pie and just like, you know, telling him like what it actually means to follow Jesus. And trying to kind of paint a different picture of what his experience was um, with all the corruption and stuff. And, and so that was, I mean, that, that was pretty cool. That's awesome. The ba and the pie are two tools that we use to share the gospel. And um, Zach had just learned those and even memorized them. So he was, he was ready to go. So that God uniquely positioned him in that way. So let me go to the last, I'll go to the last one over here, Eli. Okay, so Eli is newer to our church. And um, my question for you is, how has God um, uniquely positioned you to interact with this church in a way that um, helps you in your walk with Jesus? Uh, yeah, so originally I, I grew up in the church when I never really was a Christian. And then uh, my girlfriend and I were going to a different church. And uh, most of you probably know Joseph. Uh, Joseph was... Uh, uh, kind enough to recommend this church because we were feeling a little bit uh, 
like we were looking for someplace else to go from, from the other church. And so he's like, yeah, yeah, check out Valley Lights. It's amazing. It's where I go for my church. And I'm like, great. Uh, and so we listened a couple of times online. And then, uh, uh, I mean, a few weeks ago is really when it happened. Everything kind of was falling apart in uh, our relationship and in my life. And then uh, during that period of time, I just checked out the uh, online sermons that you have on the website and was just able to use, uh, God used those sermons from some of them were like two years ago to be like really speak to me directly and it just really convicted me and really kind of brought me to him for the first time. So God used, so he brought the truth to you through the sermons and then what was the impact of just the people that you met and just the environment of the church? Yeah, so the, um, I mean, the, the impact when we came here was just, it was so welcoming and being able to be a part of, like, instantly feel like you were part of the community and part of God's family instantaneously uh, from, like, the moment we walked in the door was enormous for us. Uh, and it made us really, yeah, just want to be a, really plugged in. I mean, we've been five times we've been here, four times. And uh, went to the life group, and we've been wanting to get more involved. And it's really just been one thing after another. It just feels like it's like an express train uh, <laughs> towards God. Uh, and it's all just because the people here at this church are incredibly welcoming and, and incredibly, uh, yeah, friendly and very clearly loving God. And that shows through in everything that they do. Awesome. That concludes my questions. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you all sharing. I love it. So I wanted you to hear a little bit about that because God's totally working in um, individual lives and intersecting. You know, you can see relationships, kind of a network of relationships growing and you can invite people or, you know, Joseph, who's uh, serving in Kids Zone right now, invited some friends. And I love it because um, honestly, so those three men that were just sitting up here, I, I did not know them. Uh, they were all brought to our church by somebody else. And so I would have never met you know, Eli or Zach or Christian on my own, it would not have been possible for me to, you know, be the pastor and like make all these great things happen. He's really positioning all of you all. He's, he's been positioning you and he's working through your relationships and your connections and your work and your um, people that you see at the park. And for us, um, we're, I believe we're uniquely positioned as a church. That's the last blank on your handout. Um, God has uniquely positioned us as a church. And one of the things that you heard right at the end through Eli's story is there's a pretty powerful impact that we have as a body. And so it's really, it, it makes a big difference that we gather on Sundays like this, even when it's inconvenient or cold or we're sitting outside in you know, the back of a junior high school. Like these gatherings really matter. God's really doing things through them. And for us, it is so important that um, evangelism and like, the ability to share the gospel is a, is a centerpiece for us. It's, we want that to be um, in, in everything that we do, where if you bring, if, you, if you're thinking about bringing somebody to church who's maybe kind of standoffish with God or with Christians, like you'd, you'd invite them and you'd feel comfortable saying, I can bring them to my church, I can bring them to my life group or whatever, and um, that I know that person is going to have space to investigate the claims of Jesus. And so... Um, even, even I wanted to even be like this mission of helping people 
break out of captivity and break out of blindness and find eternal life. That is such a compelling uh, purpose for us. It's even in our name. So what's our church name? Valley Valley Lights. And so we are lights. You are a light. You're a light in your life, in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your families. And a lot of the people that you meet with are in a spiritual valley and they're in darkness and they're in captivity. And when, when, you know, we're like, you know, like a, right now we're kind of a small group of people kind of huddled here. But man, when we, when we take that light in us and we spread out to all the different places that we go to in Santa Clarita, God uses that and he, he's uniquely positioning every single one of us throughout every day. And so I'm, I'm motivated by that. I just want to refer to a few other things that came out of 2 Corinthians when Paul talks about this whole idea. Um, he says, because God has mercifully saved us, for, for anybody here that's a follower of Jesus, he says, well, because, because we're saved, we act with great boldness. And also, we don't give up. We don't give up on people. We don't give up on sharing the light. Also, we try to persuade people. We never force people to be Christians. We never guilt people, but we do communicate like Zach was doing. Zach was communicating in a persuasive way, like letting somebody who's interested know about the difference Jesus has made. That's very persuasive. Um, we're all, he says we're all compelled by the love of Christ. What we do, what we do, we, we choose to be lights because we are so convinced about what God has done for us through Jesus. And then he says, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Look at the verse on the back of your handout real quick from 2 Corinthians. This captures it for me. It says, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What Paul's saying there is, God wants to communicate. Boy, this feels like the old days of the park, I'll tell you. <laughs> Anybody who was there in year one, this is, it was actually worse than this, but... Uh, we haven't lost any, have we lost any papers yet? All right, sweet. If we do, you have no idea what the music will sound like after this. Um, it's, it's amazing to me that God is, is drawing people, but it says God is making his appeal through you and me. And so this, is a, this feels like a big responsibility to me that we have this. Um, but maybe circle one of those bullets on the front side, those things uh, at the bottom of the page, those bullets. Which one of those do you feel like is one that maybe you resonate with or one for you to focus on? Like maybe I need to act with greater boldness or maybe I need to just not give up on the lost people that I know. Or maybe I need to work on being persuasive and, and having being ready to share the gospel. Uh, maybe I need to be compelled by the right motives, and the right motive is the love of Jesus. Or maybe I need to plead with people to be reconciled to God. Um, and then the other, the other um, picture on the back of your handout, see I'm making this interactive, you have to keep flipping back and forth. The other picture is it's a Navy helicopter, and there's some guys rappelling on ropes out of the helicopter, kind of, and then running into action. And that's really how I see us. If, if we're interacting with people that are prisoners of war, bound up in captivity, then that makes us a rescue team, like a special forces rescue team, where God is saying, hey, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break people out of captivity and bring them into freedom through you. That means we got to jump out of the helicopter and run into the fight. Um, he is, God is like a strategic military commander, and he's moving all of us into place. He's strategically, um, 
he's putting you in places that are unique to you. You go to places that I cannot go. You work in offices that I don't step foot into. Even your abilities, your... There we go. That's all right. Thanks, everyone. It's being so responsive. Don't worry. I'm almost done. <laughs> so what I want to say is, um, if you're thinking about, and really what we're going to do, we're going to focus this month as we lead up to Easter on how to use those opportunities that God has given us. If you are uniquely positioned to make an impact, we want to talk about ways to do that. You, uh, so you can do this. You can be a person that leads people to freedom. You've been sovereignly placed in a favorable position to influence people to a life of freedom. You have a, you have a strategic edge. You have an advantage that other people here sitting in this area don't have. Um, and so that's why it's not, it's not quite enough just to bring people to church. You can't just bring them to church and hopefully that takes care of it. No, like you're there. You're, you're on the front lines. You're interacting. And um, it's possible that that strategic opportunity that God has given you, it might go unutilized. Maybe God's placed you strategically at the right moment, at the right time, like Zach walking by that guy in his car, and then not take advantage of the opportunity just to keep walking. And so when it comes to evangelism, and that's really what we're going to be talking about this month, um, I don't want you to feel guilty at any point during this month. Like, oh, I don't, I'm not good enough at sharing the gospel. Or I don't know how to tell people about Jesus. Or I, um, it's not, I don't want you to do anything out of guilt. What I want, I'm hoping, is that you see the opportunity and that you're motivated by what God's doing in your life and that you're motivated to know that God's already using our church. The story that Eli shared about um, the impact of, of this community and the, the, the warmth and the welcoming is a story that I've been hearing frequently, and God has been um, bringing people to salvation through, our, through the work of our church. Um, so God is inviting you and me to be uh, participants on the rescue team. So there's a few next steps that I have listed as possibilities for you at the, at the bottom of the backside of your handout. Um, one next step might be to, to start more spiritual conversations and um, be willing to talk about things that are eternal and spiritual. Um, or maybe you're in a place where you're not quite sure where you stand with Jesus yet, and you maybe need just to open up and begin your own conversation about your spiritual journey. Also, begin thinking about who you might invite to Easter. There's people that you could maybe, names you could jot down, begin praying for people to come on Easter Sunday. And then also, I'd also, the one next step is just a request. If you're interested and willing, I was wondering if you'd be willing to pray with me daily during this month of March that our members would grow in motivation and skill in sharing the gospel. That's a prayer I've been praying um, over the last year. And, um, you know, for those that are committed here, that this is your church and you're a member, um, I've been praying for you that you'd grow in motivation and skill. If you have the skill and, you share, and to share the gospel, but you have no motivation, you won't do it. But, and if you're motivated to share your faith, but you have no idea how, you probably won't do it either. So you need, you need both of those things. And so if you would just pray with me, I believe God will answer those prayers and, and really begin to develop an evangelistic edge in our, in our community of faith here. Next week, when we do go back inside, <laughs> where it's like, you know, uh, more environment controlled, I'm really excited because we have two uh, P3 
people that are going to be coming to help with the message. There's a pastor. His name is Jim Ryan. He's the pastor of Heart of the Canyons Church. He's been, um, he planted a church here in Santa Clara 30 years ago. He's been a very faithful ministry. And then there's um, another couple who are, um, they're denominational leaders in, in our denomination that are also going to be sharing. And I think what they share is going to be profoundly impactful and influential. So I'm like, we're, it's going to be, I'm going to, actually, hopefully for throughout March, I do a little bit more of, uh, some interviews and some testimonies to help you really grasp these concepts. So let me close with, with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning and for our time together and for allowing us to, to meet, even though the conditions are um, uh, not as controllable or ideal as we might like. But I pray for, um, all, for us to be able to see those unique opportunities that you're putting before us to share the gospel and share the light. And I thank you for the relationships here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.